It's time for another episode of Tucson Means Business, featuring Tucson's top entrepreneurs and leaders in the business world. And now your host, Mark Bishop. And yes, how exciting, once again, for another Tucson Means Business with Mark Bishop. Welcome. I've got four lovely ladies in the studio with me today, four professional business people. And as the show uh, depicts, you know, Tucson does mean business, and we have businesses from all walks of life. And believe me, these ladies are hard workers and have built successful businesses or managed successful businesses, so they know what it's about. Introducing them firstly, I have Michelle Manet. Michelle is the branch manager for First Credit Union. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, it's lovely to have you. Uh, then I have Susan Penny. You remember Money Penny out of the Bond movies? <laughs> yeah, this is Susan Penny. Hello, Susan. Uh, hello, how are you doing? Susan is the owner of the Community Voice AZ LLC, which is DBA for the Oro Valley Community Publication. And Oro Valley Voice, very uh, popular and successful uh, rag, as we call them, here in Tucson, and along with the Tucson Smart Shopper LLC, which is even smarter again. Uh, welcome, Susan. It's nice to have you. Thank it's you for giving up your time. That's wonderful. Catherine Barron, hello. Hello, Mark. How are you? I am well. All righty. Uh, Catherine Barron, well, what does she do? She's the president, owner, chief cook and bottle washer, you name it, as she says. God love her. Uh, she is Barron Ventures, Inc., and that is DBA Catherine's Estates and Appraisals, the most successful estate appraiser here in Tucson. And also, oh, look, what a background. Why did we get to her? Uh, but last but not least, this uh, lovely young lady here on my right is Suzanne McNamara. Hi, Mark. How are Hello, you? Hello, Suzanne. Nice to see you again. A brand new business owner of uh, of a very interesting and unique spa. It's called the Fuchsia Spa. It's up at the uh, Ladidar end of town at La Rincantada. That's why they call it that, I think. But the prices, I don't know how she does it. So she's here to tell us how do you make, uh, in, in a very, very, you know, select area, a very successful business start from zip and do what she can actually do. So I hope you'll get something out of today. And if you're an entrepreneur or an aspiring entrepreneur and you're going into business, you want to learn from these ladies, I can assure you. And I'm going to start firstly with you, Michelle. You're in the box seat. All right. 19 years ago is when you began your career as a full-time teller, yes? Yes. Uh, now you're the branch manager of one of Tucson's most successful financial institutions. It's the First Credit Union. So miracles do happen, don't they? They do. They do. It took some time, though, from, a, you know, a teller to a member service representative. And then eight years of good, hard service loyalty, uh, you were promoted to branch manager. Yes. How did you feel about that? You know, I aspired from the moment I started to end up in a management position. So. What was that your goal? Yeah, it really was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, may I ask at what age did you actually start in the bank? Well, the credit union, I beg your pardon. I was 19 years old. That's a nice age. And yet you knew then where you wanted to go. Yeah, I did. From the moment I opened my first credit, my account at the credit union, I was like, I'm going to work here. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind, manage the place, right? Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Good on you. Well done. I mean, we're going to learn all about that game and, and how you work your way up. But credit unions, they're owned by, um, by their membership nationally, uh, with the CU motto being uh, people helping people. Yes. Correct. Okay. Uh, does your team, I mean, you are manager, but does your team live by that motto, Michelle? They do. You know, I feel very fortunate to have a staff of like-minded individuals that love getting involved in their community in any way they can help. 
Well, that's what it's about, isn't it? Yeah. I think this is why people are learning more and more and more. I mean, your industry is very competitive now. I mean, when I grew up, all we had was banks. Yeah. And they ruled everything, right? Then it became credit unions. Or in Australia, we call them building societies as well. Credit unions and building societies. But there we go from there. Now, the culture and values of the credit union must have gotten you... Uh, Oh, it must have gotten to you, really. You think about it as a volunteer, secretary for the Southern Arizona chapter of the Mountain West Credit Union Association. Uh, does this further, um, does it help dedication to your work, a place of mission? Uh, what, what does it help you to do? It does. Um, through the association, it helps me collaborate with, you know, other like-minded leaders in the credit union industry from various um, credit unions in our local area. And, you know, together we train and we further help our community by volunteering our time and different things. Getting out there. Yeah. So does that include weekends and, and public holidays? It I mean, can, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, Depending on the event we, we attend. That's excellent, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Because normally you guys, I mean, you never used to be open. Every time I arrived, there was a sign <laughs> on the down window. <laughs> it's closed at three. And I think, whoa, I want to work in a bank or a credit union. Never there, you know. Um the, the cultures we talked about when you're not working or volunteering personal life what do you what do you enjoy doing honestly i love spending a lot of my time with my family um i enjoy a good netflix binge <laughs> i garden um i recently took to refurbishing old furniture <laughs> and what else do you do okay I have or is that enough? Furniture for <laughs> <you>. <laughs> <laughs> so was your, was your dad a carpenter or a builder by any chance? I mean, where did that come from? You know, my dad is in the line of construction, so oh, yeah, okay. he helps me a lot. So there you go, because there's usually always a connection somewhere, yeah. you know, when that goes on. Uh, Susan, you don't do furniture, do you? Uh, actually, I do. You do? Another one, Susan Penny? Mm -hmm. Heavens above. I tell you what, you are smart. Uh, it took me hours to prepare your stuff. I mean, what you've done is more than I did. Uh, my big guest on this episode, the entrepreneur and her genetics from pages of things done, I'll give her this. Uh, she worked in the family restaurant at age seven, uh, helped her grandmother bake pies for area restaurants as well. And I'd like to welcome Susan Penny again. Thank you. A gutsy young lady that put herself through high school with an unusual painting ritual. Yeah, it was uh, back in the late 60s, and so I would paint anything on person's blue jeans they wanted for $5. <laughs> All right. So, and you know, they did the Uncle Sam, the flags. I mean, you know, I even, I did quite a few unusual paintings for people, but. On the back of jeans? Jeans. I, I even did like a, a snake up a jean leg, you know, wrapped around the jean leg with a Alrighty. apple in it. I mean, you, Do you still have any of those? No, I don't have anything. I don't. I mean, I have some paintings, but I don't have any of them. Right. But. Seven years of age, uh, uh, that must have been an interesting upbringing for you in a restaurant. I mean, people, conversations. Yeah, you know, it was a very small town, a farm town, so most everybody that came in were farmers. Mm -hmm. And uh, all we made was hamburgers and milkshakes. <laughs> and... Uh, so, and it was my job at that early age, I'd run across the street to the grocery store and get fresh ground hamburger every hour, and then I had to make the hamburger patties. Well, you know, I, all individual, and you smash them down in a yeah. thing. Oh, it would have been fun. And you think back in your years, you know, now look, you did marry young, you started at a horseshoeing business. This was one, of the, this was the first thing, really. Well, you know, making the, buy the cakes yeah. and the pies and all that was really your first thing. But this was the first one you, you had on your own, then your hubby. But all shoeing business in the winter. But is that a good time to be shoeing horses? Not in Ohio, no. 
<laughs> the phone wasn't ringing off the hook. And, and my husband said, well, I don't know what to do, you know. And I, I said, oh, well, drive around the country. And when you see a horse, get out and give him your card. And when the spring, you know, the snow left and the spring came, he just got lots and lots of calls. So that was my first experience at marketing. What a good idea. Running around dropping cards to do horseshoeing. Yeah, you're only 20. And then you determined, uh, though, to get ahead and you decided to move to Missouri and started the horseshoeing business again, plus a horseshoeing school at that time. Is that right? That's right. We used to go on uh, big trail rides and I'd go out and ride the horse and bring everybody over to our booth to have their horseshoed. And while we were there, a lot of people, uh, of course, my husband went to horseshoeing school. I saw that was a pretty lucrative business. That was in Oklahoma. So people there the, at these 2,000 people riding their horses. So we would invite them to our ranch and then they'd take a two-week horseshoe school. Mm-hmm. And we got like $2,000. And uh, anyways, that's how we started that. That's pretty cool. But you also found something else, I believe, in, uh, in these wonderful barns at people's places. What did you find in there? Well, because my husband went around to all these barns, uh, they were just loaded with antiques. So I sort of started getting an antique business. <laughs> oh, no. And they had a lot of auctions, which I loved the auctions. I went to my first auction with my dad probably about seven <laughs> and I'm just crazy about auctions. Catherine, so. you, you did you get good <laughs> antiques out of bonds too? I have. Yeah, <laughs> must trash. be. Well, what a place. All places, yes. Well, you know what they say, uh, uh, one man's trash is another treasure, right? So mm-hmm. I, I, I thought I had uh, a tested business training background myself, Susan Penny, until I did your stuff and did research. <laughs> I tell you, boy, wow. Uh, anyway, you have done a marvelous thing. Tell us about the... Uh, the, the restaurant caper, the 50s, 60s theme nightclubs, um, when you actually went to, to uh, St. Louis area, yeah. I think it was. Then you moved to that with Abby. Well, we yeah, we lived down on the ranch in Missouri, and then uh, he started shoeing at the racetrack, which was in Illinois right next to, next to St. Louis. So um, I started working downtown St. Louis, and I went to work for a company that bought up distressed hotels, and they turned the bar into 50s, 60s nightclub. Well, being a 50s, 60s girl... That was fun. Got to wear the old formals and the gloves. And uh, my friend, we did all the hiring. We rode all the, trained all the people. And they'd open these all up over the country. So we got to travel a lot. And it was really fun. Wow. They had Corvettes in it. They were always called Corvettes. So it was, it was I didn't even call that working. It was just kind of fun. <laughs> Corvettes. I could say something, but I better not. <laughs> Catherine Barron. Yes. She's the lady. Is that the Catherine Barron I saw her on? Yes, you did. You saw her on the Antique Rojo. Ha <gasps> uh-huh. uh-huh. She's been appraising antiques and personal property since 95 for museums and private clients. She's a native of Tucson. Uh, Catherine has lived all over the country, though, and abroad. And she earned a BA in biology at the University of Kansas. Uh, Kansas, rather and uh, canvas, see, painting on the brain now, <laughs> and uh, an MA in art history at the University of Memphis, Tennessee. I'll be back. Welcome, okay. Catherine. Thank you, nice Mark. Nice to have you again. You were the curator for the historic properties of the Memphis Museum System. Yes, uh, anything moldy, old, <laughs> that smelled bad, I was in charge of, and I would make exhibits and teach curation and education. Wow. Was, was that really when you started, you know, learning about the, this world, the appraisals of antiques, art, and personal property? I've been fascinated with antiques and the history behind them all my life. As a kid, my grandmother had a big house in Missouri, and we would go there, and I'd kind of play in the attic and pull things out and say, Grandma, could I have this plate? And 
usually grandma would give me the plate mm -hmm. and I just loved it. And in college, you know, I didn't have two nickels to rub together. So I'd always go to the estate sales and the antique markets to go find Interesting. a chair. Interesting. Furniture. Yeah. Okay. And, and, you know, did you have any inkling at all at school or at college that this might be a way you'd go? Well, you know, I took the educationally scenic route, obviously, with mm -hmm. the undergraduate in biology <laughs> and then the art history major masters. And I remember my professor in art history says, you haven't even taken an art history class. But I liked how science and art interpret and analyze facts and things that you see. Okay. And in that way, art is a an expression of who we are. Mm -hmm. And that is a real quantifiable commodity. And that's why I can do so well in appraisals. Yeah, very good. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to learning a lot more today from you. What brought you back to Tucson back in 2001? Oh, I love Tucson. I grew up here, and so I am officially a retread. I lived all <laughs> over, and every place I would live in, I'd think, is this better than Tucson? No, no. Um, Germany was a close second. Really? Yeah, that was wonderful. Interesting. Würzburg. Yeah. Was this Laos? Oh, yeah, it's soon. Yeah, yeah. You have been published as a writer on art, antiques, and ancient coinage. Yes. Mm. Uh, in selected museum and art publications, mm -hmm. and you've served as an editor for other authors' works as well. Tell us a little bit about those papers or magazines. I mean, are they national? Are they international? They're mostly uh, local to the trade. Um, I did a lot of articles for the Memphis Museum System and for the Arizona Historical Society. Um, I My thesis was on ancient Roman coinage. So I had uh, collaborated with my professor and another school chum uh, to do some local uh, publications in some magazines there. Interesting. Yes. Very interesting coinage, eh? I guess um, my limited experience or knowledge is that I understand that some coins are worth a fortune. Yes. If you're lucky enough to find them in a barn or somewhere, right? And you've protected them and looked after them? Yes. It's all uh, a condition of grading coinage and then the scarcity. And then, of course, how much was minted in a particular year. Right. Um, Carson City Morgan dollars, which were part of the later Colorado um, mining from the Comstock load, the silver load that was discovered. Those are scarcer and more rare and more valuable than Carson City or Morgan mm -hmm. dollars that were minted in, say, New Orleans. Okay. What about coins that have presidents on them or famous people? Do they do as well? Or? Oh, you know, it depends. Mm -hmm. um, the Kennedy half dollar is worth more, and the 1963 one is worth more than the 1964, 65, 66 editions. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And why would that be the case? Because that was the year he was assassinated. What? Of course, I didn't think yeah. of that. There's mm -hmm. the connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember that day exactly where I was at that time. I think everybody does. I, yes, I do. It's unbelievable the impact that man had on us. Mm -hmm. In 2004, you founded Baron Ventures, Inc., Yes. Uh, which is the DBA for Catherine's Estates and Appraisals here in Tucson. What does a business like yours specialize in? It's based on the client's needs, but generally what I have been doing more of late is appraisal services and giving a fair market value or a replacement value or a damage and loss value for anything. Mm -hmm. And that is an important thing because when times are good, people want a value for their art. When times are bad, they need to know a value for their art to figure out what pieces to sell maybe. Right. Um, damage and loss is always a constant, you know, mm -hmm. 
got the moving companies on my speed dial. So, so if there was a fire or a flood, uh, are you called in before the insurance will pay? Yes. Uh, after the Mount Lemmon fires in 2004, I right. did a lot of appraisal work for houses that had burned up based on photographs. Wow. Go, well, this was our cabinet here and it's yeah, gone. Yeah, it's gone. It's mm-hmm. heartbreaking, isn't it? Yes. Uh, we had a, we, Australia's had some massive fires and out of Melbourne, we had a, we had a bad one a few years back that wiped the whole town out. And, uh, and a good friend of mine, he was in a major news anchor he was killed in that fire oh no but uh i was there covering it and i'll never forget the people the tears everything all it is is ashes all your life all your memories Mm -hmm. you know you can always get other stuff but that's the stuff you can't replace isn't it that is that is how do you value something sentiment is a a valid but very difficult to value commodity um, bankers, trusts, lawyers, they just want to know, credit unions, they just, they just want to know, you know, a fair market value and a, and a price. But, you know, some little kid, one time we were doing a public appraisal thing and the seven-year-old boy brought in this moldery old teddy bear. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know, we talked about it. We talked about the brand, the styling, the tradition of teddy bears. And I said, you know, this is not an expensive item, but this item is priceless. There you go. I guess most of um, people listening uh, to this episode would remember you, uh, Catherine, from the Antique Roadshow, the television program. It's still on, isn't it? It's still yes, successful, it uh, which you appeared on as an expert appraiser. Uh, just quickly, what was that experience like for you? Oh, it was really fun. Um, it was kind of a, a theater in the round. The cameras and the film was all in the center, and you had different stations that you would go to. I was silver, which was next to glass, which was next to <laughs> ceramics and right. pottery. And people would come in, they'd get two tickets, and they would come to you, and they'd and they'd have a fabulous piece of silver. And you'd say, well, tell me about this. Mm-hmm. And then they would say, well, I don't know very much about it. And then, would you like to be filmed with it? Then we would run around. They'd go to the green room and get their makeup put on and get sandwiches. Uh. While we'd be running around with this <laughs> silver cup and saying, okay, what do you think? going to the library, going on the computer, and Mm -hmm. then you'd tape it, they'd edit it afterwards, and then you'd see yourself on TV. So that was a part of it, okay. But aren't they really there to get as much as they can for that lovely bit of silver? Sometimes they want to sell it, but we're not allowed to do that. So Right, but so they're getting a damn good idea of what they could get for it. Right, right. I think, what was it, in 2001 or so, there was a Navajo chief's blanket that was appraised for $400,000 wow. on the roadshow. Wow, an original, huh? Yes. Gee, how do you keep that so well after all these years? I don't know. They had it draped on the back of their sofa. Heavens <laughs> <laughs> above. Wow. Well, there you go. So that must have been exciting. Now, I just want to ask you one thing before we move on to Suzanne. Um, what is the Board of Friends of Western Art Association all about? Oh, it's a non-profit, Friends of Western Art. It was established in the 1980s. And basically, we want to promote the diversity and the growth of Western art as a specific genre. Southwestern art? Southwestern art, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's more than just the cowboys and Indians things. Sure. You have to have uh, a feel for the contemporary. Um, usually it's naturalistic and realistic work, but not always. Uh, one of my favorite uh, paintings that's in the Mountain Oyster Permanent Collection shows a, uh, 
a cowboy in a rain slicker on a horse driving a herd of cattle through a busy downtown intersection and waiting for the little stoplight. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's Western art. Anything right. that makes you talk about art. That's different. Mm-hmm. It'll certainly make you look. Well, that's not the only board that you've served on either, is it? No, I've been on the Better Business Bureau. I'm currently on a women's professional group, Tiempo, and... Yes. Quite a bit. Yes, Busy yes. young lady. So um, your hobbies, uh, apart from travel, which you're obviously writing and antiques, what writing else, what is else good. do you like? Um, I love to travel to see my two kids in Seattle. I do love to just enjoy people's company. So And life. I guess you'd have to be in your line of work. That's right. And cooking is good, too. You would do that. Oh, interesting, Catherine Barron. After a long career as an executive in the aerospace and defense business and being a mom, my next guest on the show recognizes the dedication, time and endurance it takes to be uh, successful, both at home and working in a competitive industry. How long did it really take you to wake up, as they say, <laughs> Suzanne? Well, I was at Raytheon for 28 years, believe it or not, and I love Tucson, too. I got the opportunity to move uh, to Washington, D.C. as part of Raytheon, and I worked in Texas as part of Raytheon. And then I got recruited to go to Boeing, and they took me to the Pacific Northwest, and I uh, couldn't wait to come back to Tucson. And so I left Boeing to come back here, and I decided that I was sort of finished with defense. And uh, Well, 28 years in defense, right? Plus three at Boeing. So Plus three at Boeing. Yeah, now, so what were your positions there? What were your positions? I started out as an engineer. I was programming software and designing factories and then led me into doing proposal work for new business, which gradually um, led me to do strategy and uh, became the vice president of business development and strategy at a subsidiary of Boeing. Mm-hmm. And then when I left Boeing, I came back here to start the business in yeah. wellness. In wellness. <laughs> well, after corporate for those years, maybe you do. Um, 30-year right. career in defense work. I mean, can you tell me what you did at Raytheon or are you going to have to shoot me? What, oh, what? no. Well, uh, for the most part, I uh, helped win new business, working in proposals and developing new ideas, working with engineers and figuring out how we would sell those ideas or market them, and then graduated to, to actually be part of the team that went out and uh, solicited business from the different uh, military hmm. services. So I know a lot about the Pentagon and how, you know, how it works, how, how it works happen. and how we, how to maneuver I, and uh, some other offices that are outside the Pentagon that actually control the acquisition for defense. I don't mean this to sound uh, sexist or anything, but are there many female engineers? You know, it's growing. There's a lot of uh, STEM kinds of initiatives. Raytheon was real big about promoting that science and technology for yeah. math for women. Interesting. And I think it is growing. Um, I've got two nieces that are engineers now. Wow. So it's very exciting. Look out, women. That. Here yeah. we go. Yeah. And why not? Hey, Catherine? Yes. Brains. The women have the brains and the tenacity, don't they? <laughs> oh, dear, we dear, have dear, the dear. money, too. And you have the money, too. <laughs> I bet you're an animal lover. I am. Yeah. I, love, I have four dogs. And four? I, I had horses when I was in Oregon, and then I had a horse before when I was in Tucson, which lovely. Get to ride anytime I want to. So they're not nice. cheap, you know. The horses, no, they're not. To, to run and what have you. That's well, yeah. you had darn good jobs, huh? <laughs> Fair enough. Now your husband. Okay, what's his name again? Chris. Chris. Yes. Does he like Christopher or Chris? Chris. Usually. Chris. Hi, Chris. Uh, he's a former U.S. Navy captain. He is. Um, he's retired now, though. Right. He so left the Navy to work for a, a defense. Uh, 
consulting company. And then when we met, he moved to Tucson. He loves Tucson. Yeah. So he quit that. Well, who doesn't? Tell me. Everybody seems to come back to it. It's like a magnet, isn't it? It is. I mean, you go someplace else, you don't really appreciate it. I think sometimes. You come back again. Everybody does that. When all around the world, it doesn't matter whatever. I think it's the mountains and the sunsets and all this. Now, but does he teach? Oh, Mark, you're a naughty boy. I never turned my phone off. Excuse me. Doesn't he teach at San Miguel High School? He does. He uh, went on his own and uh, went through classes online and got his teaching certificate and degree and teaches high school at San Miguel, which he loves. It's yeah. Great, uh, it's nice to do something you love, isn't organization it? Organization. Huh? He's very happy. Now, let's talk about a hardworking business owner that you are. Your personal experience at Fuchsia. Fuchsia, Fuchsia, Fuchsia. F-U-C-H-S-I-A. But that's not the only way it's spelled. Right. It's spelled like the flower. Like the flower. Okay. Uh-huh. You say um, it's provided you the understanding that each of us need and deserve a break from our busy life to take time to relax and to do something that makes us feel beautiful. Right. So and that technically is how you got into the spa business. Is that right? Well, when I left Boeing, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to start my own business. I didn't really know what business and I had discovered uh, this business in Phoenix that was doing really well and it was all about taking care of of wellness for women particularly those that work really hard making it affordable making it a way that uh, they would would attract them to come more frequently um, to take the time to care for their skin care for their bodies uh, you know care for their nails and other things that we do there and and so I really believed in the concept. And I thought there's a lot of hardworking women in Tucson. I think they would love this idea. Mm. I mean, it's not a coffee shop. My God, when you started that. It really no. But to go from as an engineer, you right. know what I mean? I mean, how am I trying to express this? One sees metal and steel and <laughs> hard, heavy stuff and all this jazz. And you're in a lovely pampering world. I know. It's so nice. Isn't it? It really is. <laughs> <laughs> right, I wish I had time to do it more myself. All my friends come and they have beautiful skin, beautiful nails. And I'm sitting there at the front desk sometimes just greeting people saying, oh, I need to take care of better. I need to take time to enjoy my own place. <laughs> but but that didn't just start with you saying, look, I want to do a spa. No. You, you fell into some place, I think, didn't you? You saw it being operated? Yes, I did. They had, there are four in Phoenix, and we're the first to come to Tucson. I bought the rights into Tucson. So my goal was to make it successful at La Encantada and then perhaps uh, build two more uh, if it if Okay, it really all right. Off, so know? where was this, Phoenix? Yes. So you saw it operate in Phoenix, okay. went in yourself and had treatments and so on. Right. Love the setup. I did. Love the design, how they did it inside and so on. But what was the biggest thing that took your interest about it all? Because, I mean, there's tons of spas. There is. Right. Well, this is, I think in this case, for me, it was making it affordable. So that, you know, in the past, I could go to maybe a Red Door spa or a fancy place maybe once every four or five years, you know, and I loved it. And so I thought, well, at this place, you can come every month and you can spend the same amount, you know, almost if, mm. if we do it right. And we have, um, they're usually very expensive, aren't they? They are. And we try to make it affordable, especially right. if you come every month, you can join our membership, which is really great. Mm-hmm. So, um, it was built out from scratch, as I'm to understand, right, at La Encantada? It was. Okay, so it's not just a walk-in done type thing. And you did the design. You Well, yeah, we used some of the concepts, some of the colors from the Phoenix operations. But, uh, yeah, we, we decorated it the way we liked, that we wanted it to be, mm-hmm. and um, to make it a little bit more upscale and fancy, but not fancy like where you have showers and other things that make it more expensive. So uh, we don't have showers. Some people would like to, us to have that, but it just make, increases the price to do mm. that. This is kind of for busy women who are, you know, Well, I was going to ask you what, you what you meant by that. I mean, yeah. it's not just a matter of opening a spa then. You, you had 
direct marketing intentions, right? right. In and out, kind of. So in you, in and out. You get your skincare needs, and you're busy. You've got you know children or you know other things that you're trying to right. take care of with your work and trying to squeeze in your appointments so we can get you in and get you out and still take care of your basic needs for massage, facials, and nails. And hmm, interesting concept. Interesting concept because again, it comes back to people don't have the time. Right. Uh, something a little time. bit of luxury. And for women yourself. don't tend to spend money on themselves either. You know, they they're don't. much more mm. givers. I think they're buying gifts for people. They don't take the time. They've got kids. They've got families, and they're doing things for other people a lot. And do they take care of themselves, or they say, "Oh, I don't want to spend that much money on myself." Wow. And so, if we can make it so that they enjoy it and they see the the be- the benefit of really, you know sort of rejuvenizing themselves once a month. That's my, my one hour of the month. Well, that's my I time. That I can do something really nice for myself. I All think right. it makes a difference. So beauty doesn't lives. have to come at a high price then. Well, that's what we're well, trying to down promote, to it. Yes. Uh, I have to be honest here. I've been to uh, the Tucson's newest spa, Fuchsia, and I admit it's beautifully designed, laid out in pleasure. The uh, I was surprised at the skincare range. Um, it's high end, but it's not uh, too expensive. I mean, it's fair, fair prices. Right. Uh, you also offer high quality skincare services, right? Do guys get facials too, as they well do. as the ladies? They yeah, they do. I, my brother <coughs> still talks about his, and he calls me once a month to reorder his new. <laughs> he lives in Michigan, so yeah, I think they really do, and they don't really, really, really realize how much you know if you're out in the sun a lot and how much you need right. oh, the rejuvenation damage of your skin. Yeah, the southwestern sun damage. Eh? I mean, did you ever see the movie? Um, Oh, I've got a mental block. I'll come back to it. Okay. He never got old. Oh. It was a painting, a portrait. Oh, a portrait of Dorian Gray. Dorian Gray, that's the <laughs> one. Yeah, that reminds me, yes. So, um, so Suzanne, if I was to ask you as uh, this determined businesswoman that you are, what would be your goal now for Fuchsia? Uh, well, it's new. It's a new business, Mark. New in town. Uh, we opened in November of last year, so not even a year old. And my goal is to make it profitable. You know, we're not. Obviously, we need more clients to to keep the prices the way we are, mm-hmm. uh, have them structured, um, and we're doing great. I think. Particularly Mother's Day and Christmas were very good to us. Right. Um, yep. But, you know, June came and, you know, people leave. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, well. <laughs> the snowbirds some... leave and, you know, some of the walking traffic left. <laughs> so I'm struggling, you know, as a new business owner, just trying to understand yeah. that. And oh, I'll oh. check it out. I'll check it out. I and, hope so. I and everything else yes. you go out for, yeah, but a lot of people leave. <laughs> I think we've got 400,000, 500,000 uh, in Tucson in the summer months. And we swell to a million or something uh, when everybody comes back, what we affectionately call snowbirds. Isn't that right, Michelle? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and snowbirds are what, Susan? What are, what are snowbirds? Well, uh, snowbird is somebody that comes and lives here for the winter because they're usually coming from a cold place. A real cold place. Mm-hmm. I hear some unbelievable stories. And and with the, the Oro Valley Voice, of course, I'm covering uh, three areas up there that have mostly snowbirds, so I'm pretty familiar with the stats on that. Right. But, but a business can, you know, their business can fluctuate, you know, 10 to 15 percent when the snowbirds aren't here. So it really impacts our yes. our community a lot and business people. And it's it, different it, for a lot of places. I think yeah. one would have to budget for that for the year. Uh, did a lot more planning. Yeah. When do you get to go away? 
If anybody a business, when do you go away, Suzanne? If you ever, I guess summertime is really it for you too. Yeah, it's it's owning your own business is almost you know twenty four seven. You never get away. It's hard to get away. You're not entitled to get away. A little slow, but I love having estate sales during the winter season when the snowbirds are back. Right, because yeah, the people from just help me out because I've hardly been anywhere in America. Been in New York on the East Coast. That's about it. But when I think of uh, Michigan, uh, the Midwest, I think of Canada. I think of way up there in um, blue sky country and, uh, you know, all those northern states that get, what, 10, 12 feet of snow, mm-hmm. freezing minus whatever. Yeah, minus uh, 10. And the wind <laughs> chill and all this jazz. I'd get out of there too, quite frankly, wouldn't you, Catherine? Wouldn't you, I Michelle? Would. I would. And I'd go somewhere I sunny because yeah. I guess on the East Coast, everybody leaves New York to go to Miami, right? Right. It's too far to come over here. Maybe. Pretty much the other side of the Mississippi, they go to Florida. Okay. Everybody on this to Florida, side comes right. down here. Yeah. Everybody else comes down to here. A lot of Chicago comes here, though. A lot of Chicago. I've met a lot of Chicagoans yeah. here. I have indeed. And it's not Tucsonians, it's Tucsonans. Did you know right. that, Michelle? Tucsonans, yeah. Yes, I, I had to learn that one the hard way, I can tell you. <laughs> Fuchsia Spa, it's located at Laring Cantata on the first level, and it's across from Crate and Barrel. Next door to Ann Taylor and Clark Shoes. I've been there, and it is easy to find if you park well. That's a lovely complex, the whole Lycantata thing up there. Uh, did you have any trouble with people finding you initially? Or? Sometimes, yeah, they because, um, you know, sort of downstairs, and they park upstairs on mm-hmm. the far end where the restaurants are sometimes. And so we, we try to tell them to park behind us. We're in where um, Talbot's used to be. The Talbot's just moved out. I've, I've heard right. they're, they're going over to uh, Casa Adobe's in the fall. But oh. um, they're, they're doing a lot of construction, putting something else big in there, it looks like. so. Fantastic. Fantastic. I don't know. Oops. Oh, here we go. I don't know if you guys play golf at all, any of you? Yes. Oh, you do? Yeah, okay, me too. I'm a member of the 49ers Golf and Country Club. Uh, lovely place. This has a history, this particular, and they're our sponsors for Tucson Means Business. Uh, wonderful sponsors. They've sponsored me for over, four, what, four or five years now here in Tucson on my radio shows and also here with Business Radio X. And um, they've got beautiful new buildings out there now. Uh, the Rincon Grill has a brand new uh, lovely lady who is the executive chef, but also now uh, she's just been promoted to um, the uh, total chief cook and bottle washer, I can assure you. You know, the whole food and wines and runs wine nights and so on. Uh, That's Macca McKenzie and uh, food and beverage manager as well. And uh, they also have a full gym out there for ladies to go to. And and you know what? In the summer months for kids, the pool is there. They have swimming. They have golf lessons. It's a real family place per se. It's not just about golf and playing golf. So, you know, if you get a chance, get out there and support them. I think you'll really love their food. The, the views are magnificent. And uh, the course itself, uh, it was well known. I mean, Tucson is sort of a big, small place, isn't it, Susan? And, yes. Uh, <laughs> and it was known as a, a really, in fact, I think it was back in 68 or something. I may have the years wrong, but the principle is this. It was a PGA course, a recognized course. And the pros used to play here. At the 49ers. And uh, I think Jack Nicholas played, and there was a hole, I don't know which one it was, but he took about 11 shots on it or something. It's, oh, it's famous. <laughs> well, it's had a lot of history since then, and it nearly died totally, the course. The owner skipped out of town and a few things, but unfortunately he sold the water wells. And uh, no one was going to do anything about it. And they would have built housing on the fairways and so on, which was pretty sad. And this wonderful gentleman came from uh, Colorado Springs. 
and uh, he'd retired and so on. Anyway, he saw the place, and this is disgusting, and he thought he would do something to help Tucson, create jobs. He bought the premises. His water bills were astronomical that he took over, I can assure you. And he pays serious money, whereas we do know of public courses that get all free water. Uh, so there's quite a bit of debate there going on, and he actually pays for, uh, for drinking water at full drinking water prices, but he doesn't get drinking water, he gets the other one. So it's very hard, but he's built this place back again in uh, six years now, and it's beautiful. And it's a full credit to him. Ron McKenzie is his name. It's full credit to him. So the 49ers, Golf and Country Club Estate, proud sponsors of Tucson Means Business. And that's what you call meaning business, is doing something like that and going, you know, spending a fortune to create jobs for a few, but put it back into the economy. You in the bank... Young lady, yes. do you get called out much from your office to settle disputes or everything just beautiful at first credit? You know, I, most for the most part, it is beautiful, but we occasionally have our disputes. You know, there's ongoing fraud. But is there really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah Give us an idea. Tell, tell us what. You know, there's just so many different scams that, you know, it's... It's Outsiders everyday, are trying to yeah, do it's everyday right. Everyday changing, so right. I mean, so you must be kept aware all the time. Yeah, there's you know wire fraud, debit card fraud, you know mm -hmm. identity theft, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. But you know we take pride in the fact that we like to educate our members on how to avoid that before it even happens. Okay, as a not-for-profit financial cooperative, you're owned by your members, but they're not shareholders. They're not. Okay, how does that how does that work? Basically, you know, I, I, I should ask you, how does that compare to a normal operation? What's the difference, do you think? So with banks, you know, they're governed by stockholders. With credit unions, we're governed by a board of directors that are um, also members. They okay. volunteer their time most of the time. Right. And um, so with that in mind, you know. So the board is volunteer too? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the decisions that are made on behalf of the credit union, you know, you no, that's done with heart and intent for what's good for the membership as a whole okay. rather than stockholders. All right. So when, when, how does it work when you invite a new member? Because you're, you're as good as your number of members, correct? That's correct. Investing their monies into the union, the credit union, yes. which you in turn do things with that go back into the community. Now, I come along and I, do I get a good interest rate from you if I have a savings account with you? Yeah, we offer some of the best rates. Really? Yeah. You, you're very, com what, comparative to the banks? Yeah, we're actually most of the time better than the banks. Better than the banks. Yeah. What about uh, young couples trying to get money for housing and their first home? And you know what, how tough it is. Yeah, that's what's awesome. We're a full-service financial institution, so we, yeah, do it all, anything from a savings account to your first mortgage. Yeah, is, is that a big part of your business? Housing and loans and... It is, it yeah. is. In fact, that's, you know, our primary focus currently with, you know, the low rates. Hmm, interesting. Uh, you are local, but the first, first credit union was established in Arizona in 1929. That's correct. Well, that's way back, isn't it? Uh, your headquarter location was based in Chandler and still is? Yes, it is. Uh, okay, up there with the Northerners. But now a network of eight branch locations in the state and you offer a full suite of financial services from savings to investments to auto, credit card and home loans. Share a little bit about those products. We've touched on home loans. Give me an idea of some of the other products. So we offer savings account, checking accounts. Um, we have starter checking accounts for children, you know, at, 
starting at the age of 13, where we offer them debit cards so that we can teach them how to balance a checkbook. Mm-hmm. Um, we offer retirement accounts, you know, um, IRAs, individual retirement. Okay, let me ask you a couple of questions. I don't want to put you on the spot. Kids with credit cards, is that a good thing? Or are you teaching them fiscal responsibility? They're not, they don't have credit cards when they're children, but debit cards. And yeah, we're, we're going to educate them on how they okay. balance their checkbook. We offer online services so we can show them how to get logged on, how mm-hmm. to, you know, balance their checkbook as they're making their purchases. Interesting. I, I, I thought, Catherine, the checkbooks were gone, you know? I, you I, know, I <laughs> almost am going back full circle to checks. Are you really? Because... Really? Every day the technology changes and credit card fraud is such a constant. It's scary, thing. isn't it? It yeah. is. And all the fees that the credit expensive charge is a credit to the and they they encourage the consumer mm-hmm. but they don't support the vendor. So Right. I've only had one check bounce in all the years I've been in business that I couldn't reclaim and it right. was for fifty dollars. So Well, I, I had a check bounce on me a couple of weeks back with a client. Needless to say, I won't mention that. But the credit union gave that particular person all their money back and even paid me the $12 it cost me because I, I got gypped by it. You know what I mean? So I thought that was very nice of that credit union. Yeah, that is. Does credit unions do merchant services, like for vendors? There are some credit unions that offer that service, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But first dozen? We don't, unfortunately, at the moment. Yeah, but you got to look at it. You're we have doing business it? accounts. We just don't have the actual merchant service. Okay, yeah. okay, but that's that's probably going to happen, though, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's a piece of the market you would need, I would think. Oh yeah. And members would need a small business members who have got businesses would prefer to deal with you than someone else down the road. Exactly. Yeah, and you're losing that business, aren't you? Yes, you have to look at it all up to the board, huh? I suppose you got to crunch all the numbers. How much is <laughs> how much extra staff does it take? And extra, you know, all that sort of jazz comes into it, right? Yeah. Um, I, 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 I covered that. 1929, that's 90 years. 90 years, that's right. God, you weren't even a twinkle, neither was I, in respective <laughs> eyes. A little bit about the history. Do they train you when you first join the bank? Do they take you up there at all, or do you go through a film of the company? Yeah, when you get hired on, you're told, you're told about the, the history of the credit union. So, like you said, you know, we began in 1929. We were... Um, we were created by federal employees that gathered together during the Great Depression to offer low-cost financial services to their community. Good. What other things, things, uh, set credit unions apart, do you think, from other financial institutions? Um, our community connection, um, core to credit unions' philosophy, is that we have a strong connection with the communities that we serve, so through financial education, and other outreach efforts, credit unions are consistently giving back. Yeah, you, you know, Susan, you go back. I mean, do you remember credit unions? Very, you know. Well, I do. I, as a kid, I started a, a bank account early. I remember that, and uh, <laughs> my CPA did recommend to use a credit union. So really, but I tried one, but it, they didn't have enough uh, business right. services that really met my needs. So I had to. Had to change. We went from baking pies to horseshoeing, yeah, and then into themed uh, restaurants all over the joint. But in 1987, you started a new life. Yes, I did. I was uh, back in uh, moved back to Tucson, St. Louis, and I was uh, newly divorced, and it was cold. And I said, "I'll get gas at lunch because uh, it's so cold. I'll wait till the sun's out." 
and I ran out of gas and fell down the hill and the ice and I said, okay, I'm going, my mom. I'm done, that's it. That was it. I mean, I literally went home and packed up and came to Tucson. I feel for you because number one, there's nothing worse than the heartbreak. And regardless, yeah. I don't know your story, but you were still divorced. You were right. still getting divorced. And I don't care if you're human at all, it's going to affect yeah. you. But add to that when it's stinking cold the yeah. way it is and you fall down a well, hill. I said, that's you know, it. myself, I said, I can be poor and cold or I can be poor and warm. I'm going to choose poor and warm. But, but truthfully, uh, when I got to Tucson, I mean, you know, I've never been poor here. I've always done really You've well. You've done really well. Your mom had a business. Right, she was uh, business to business sales. I think your mom was no, doing. No, that was me. Oh, that was you doing. My mom that? ran the the local restaurant. Oh, okay, she was yeah. doing that. There's a the restaurant did, she, again. She did teach me my first lesson on profit, though. Oh, okay. I was making milkshakes, and everybody came, and we want Susie to make our milkshake. And my mom says, "Let me watch you make a milkshake." Yeah, I can see what's. And going I here. was like making them like I liked them. Yeah, <laughs> and she right. goes, We're losing money on those. <laughs> and she said, "It's two scoops. It's one level of the mall. You know, and this much chocolate." Yeah. And 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 back then, I think they were a dollar. And she said, "Now, don't you? You know, we're you're giving away money." And mm-hmm. so then the people would come in and they'd say, "Well." I said, uh, they want a milkshake. I said, oh, I'm sorry, I can't make those milkshakes anymore. But, and they said, why? And I go, well, because I was losing money on them. But I got a deal for you. Well, it's you amazing. can have a Hogan's milkshake, which was the name of a restaurant, or you can have a Susie milkshake. One's a dollar and one's two. Which one would you like? Oh, yeah. And then I gave them a choice, and my mom said, that's pretty good. I, th- I think I was probably 12. But, <laughs> I love that. Well, you're an amazing worker. You've come a long way, and, you know, look, I could sit here all day and talk about yeah. things that if you've done, but you did do real estate sales. Yeah. You went into property management, um, back to Michigan for a little while because you were offered a big job by Gannett, who owned a daily newspaper there, and that's yeah. how much they thought of you. Uh, you stuck it out as long as you could and said, uh-uh, <laughs> to hell with it, I'm going back. You came back here to work for the Arizona Daily Star. Yes, I did. Uh, and then uh, a thing called Saddlebag Notes. Yeah, that's a newspaper that the Arizona Daily Star owns and services the Saddlebrook community. And my last two years with them, I took over the management of that, had an office up in Catalina and, you know, was really managing the whole newspaper. Yeah, and, a uh, long way. A lot of my clients would say, hey, you know, we got to buy in this magazine and that paper. Why don't you just start a paper that's just for Oral Valley? And be done with it. And Saddlebrook. Hey. And I said, oh, yeah, that's easy. I'll just go out and start a paper. That's so easy to do. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, you learned. <laughs> you know, I had started businesses before. It wasn't like I was, you know, I know usually. I mean, I made really good money with the Arizona Daily Store. had great insurance, all that stuff. So I was saying, right. you know, I was 60. So I said, what am, what am I doing? You know, I was thinking of this, but I did it. Unbelievable. Then you went on to open up the, uh, after the voice, uh, an opportunity came up to do the Savvy Shopper, which used to be. It used to be the Savvy Shopper was here. And, a, and then you made it. I love the Savvy Shopper. A, per- yeah. a person that had worked for them for, for over 10 years, he called me up one day and we, we knew each other because we had a lot of same similar clients. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said to me, um, would, you, would you consider publishing a coupon magazine because Savvy Shoppers leave in town? And he, they just give him his pink slip, and you know it was a few months out. And I said, "Whoa, that's going to be really expensive." You know, doing the paper right. when you do a glossy magazine. I mean, I said these print and and everything's by mail. Right. And we we're going to do one hundred twenty thousand. You know, uh, I said, "Whoa, that's going to be like super expensive." I I got to check it out. Mm-hmm. And I did, and I I thought, okay, well, 
we had a 100% conversion rate of all the Savvy Shopper clients. And so it's like an instant business. And you know, that's and pretty it, good. And your others have been with you what six years now? Yeah, huh? six years. And you've the, been doing and it. The, well the done. Tucson Smart Shoppers well been done. two years. So good on you. And all done. See who says a woman can't do it? And huh? how many good women are there in America who are chairing companies and breaking through the glass ceilings and yeah. running companies that uh, men could never do? In another way. By the way, Catherine, happy birthday. Oh, thank you. All righty. We're going to run out of time. So see how that quickly it goes when you're having fun? Yes, you could sit does. here all day, couldn't you? Very unique profession. What's the most expensive thing you've appraised? What's the least expensive? Oh, the least expensive. Usually I don't bother with anything that's under $100 um, because my time is billed by the hour and it can be expensive. But if it's got a lot of litigation or a little bit of personal anger, like in a divorce, <laughs> I have appraised a toaster um, for $15. Um, one time there was a really litigious one um, involving a stepchildren and um, an older uncle. And um, I had to find out about $2 of change, Canadian money, convert it to American dollars effective of the date of death. And it was still $2, but I had to do that because they wanted to document everything. Mm -hmm. So that was it. $2 Canadian is about $2 American because we don't do pennies. There you go. We don't do pennies. <laughs> you don't do pennies. <laughs> no. There you go. So come on. Don't tease me mucking around with this little stuff. Surely you've done something in the millions. Oh, yes. Uh, one of the most wonderful things that I appraised was a, an Alex Calder mobile. And Alex Calder was a kinetic artist. Uh, you can remember back to middle school when you had your geometry class and you made a little, you know, mobile out of yarn balls and straw. <laughs> yeah. and okay. Your mom would hang it up. Anyway, his went for uh, $3.25 million. Wow. Mm -hmm. And dare I ask how you survive? You've got to make money and you're paying yourself. Yes. How do you live? You take a percentage, do you? I do. When Agreed I, upon percentage? When I, when I do estate sales, we do a percentage. Um, and I come in and we orderly liquidate the house and we mm -hmm. sell everything from the Alex Calder mobiles down to mm -hmm. the Pyrex pans and toasters. But you leave the house to the realtors. Yes. Okay. That's, <laughs> a, that's our slogan. You know, we don't appraise the house, just everything in it. Yeah. And we're not allowed to sell houses, but <laughs> no. we sure we sure help the realtors. They like us for that. And... Um, yeah, the, then we also do appraisals to do that, and then sometimes I will privately broker things, take them on consignment, and, uh, and help them go to people in New York and things along that line. Fabulous. What an interesting uh, business. What an interesting business. When I think about all the things in these shops that are around all over the world, mm -hmm. antique shops, there's some beautiful, beautiful chess sets, lovely oh. globes. They're the things that get my attention. Oh, you know? yes. I, and I meet nice people, too, every yeah, day. Yeah, I guess you would. It's you cool. know, uh, anyway, again, happy birthday for today. Twenty one's a nice year. You know? <laughs> it, it really is. Suzanne, how often should people come to Fuchsia? I mean, is there a health safeguard or is there anything like that to prevent one going too much to a spa? I don't think so. No? Um, <laughs> not, not for me. Uh, you know, you, it, 
most people want to get a massage once a month because they, if they work in an office or behind a computer or doing heavy lifting or whatever, it's really good for your muscles to come in and just relax and have those muscles massaged. And we have an infrared sauna. You can come every day, once a week, and those are really popular, and they're getting more and more attention from a health perspective to just bake out toxins and you mm-hmm. know, make your muscles feel better. Um, and as far as skin care goes, you know, we, I would recommend once a month. Mm-hmm. You do that, obviously, for a facial. And then your nails just depends on how often and how much you use your hands or your toes. You know, we, we take care of those as well. The pedicures and yeah. so on. Yeah, it's a luxury, isn't it? I mean, it's a nice little thing to, to, to pamper one's body, to respect one's... Uh, you know, the carrier of the spirit. Right. And there's a lot of nail places in town. Every corner shopping center has one. Ours is way different. In fact, we, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we're, we're really about cleanliness and mm-hmm. health care. Uh, we don't use the jets. You know, a lot of people like them, you know, their jets, to, their feet to put in the jets, and those can create a lot of um, right. you know, infections and so forth. So we we, nope. ban, we have stainless steel tubs that are just... So that's all clean, clean out there all the clean. time as we well? Don't, and we don't do acrylics or the dipping powder because it creates a lot of drilling and smells. Very and good. Like that. So we just use uh, the gel polish and the regular polish, and I think people hmm. leave very happy. And, and well, there we are then, folks. We can go 40 times a day to future it doesn't matter it's <laughs> At least totally once all right a month, come see me yeah in closing susan is is being a woman an advantage in business uh i don't really think too much in terms of gender. a man and a woman gender yeah i really don't i mean it's just a personal thing but i i think it depends on what business you're in if it's an advantage i mean you know suzanne's is probably an advantage for a woman because it's a primarily woman audience mm-hmm. But if you were in a primarily, you know, where it's always been men, I think it's tougher. I mean, I know women in commercial real estate, that it's a tough world there for them because it's primarily men. Mm -hmm. And probably in the credit unions and the, you know, you see a lot of women tellers, but all the people run them are are men. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's, I just think it's what business you're in, you know, like, but... I, I don't really see an advantage because I don't think in terms that way. No, no, and I don't either. It's not the reason I asked the question. Everybody yeah. knows everybody's pushing for the same dough. No such thing as gender yeah. in business. You still work as hard, the same hours, the same everything. Yeah. But women are paid far less, and it's not fair. Yeah. So the reality is if you're that good, you should be getting paid the same, right? Mm-hmm. But what are the downsides for a woman? I mean, you were married. You were raising children. Mm-hmm. How do you do all you've done and succeed at everything that you did with raising children at the same time? I don't know. I don't know how men make well, men make it because women take care of the kids and the business. But, you know, I, I don't really know because uh, I was fortunate, you know, when my kids were small, my husband was very hands-on with the kids. Okay. And, uh, but I just, I don't know how you do it. I mean, if you, if you sat around and thought about it, you'd go, you'd freak out because right. it doesn't One seem possible. Yeah. Well, it's amazing. So how do you find then a balance between all this responsibility that you have now, you know, um, uh, what's the Australian uh, publisher's name? I should know it. Shouldn't know. <laughs> Murdoch. Uh, yeah. You being a Murdoch and all, you know, how do you get on now? How do you uh, enjoy oneself? I, I would say that is my biggest battle and my biggest fight. I have to fight to, to stay balanced because I can become a workaholic very easily. Right. And I've, I've noticed some of the things that I've, I have on my bucket list, you know, are just like in the bucket. And I'm just making things now to make that happen. But if you don't, you have to use your same things you use to start that business to keep that balance. Right. And that's what you have to do. And if you don't do it, you'll burn out. It's amazing. 
you know, you look 21 too, and look what you've achieved and done. These women, I tell you what, i got to find some secrets out that they're doing. Uh, Michelle, for you, what are some important topics? I know the first credit, uh, the Youth's Initiative. Yes. What, what's that all about, the Youth Initiative? So at, um, education is a foundation for our youth members' future. Um, we do several things to support that. We have a wealth of free financial education that's provided online. Um, relationships with local schools. We have an amazing program that we started called Great Grades, where okay. we actually reward um, students between, you know, grades K through 12 for their good grades. So oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. So you're getting early in the game. All right. And um, the only last thing I really wanted to ask you was you do have a special tagline and a message for your members. Yes. Right. Yeah. What is that? It's financial sunshine. So, Financial sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have a website. I'm not going to go through all your other stuff because each of you, of course, will be on uh, the Tucson Business Radio X site permanently. You'll be published up there with your photographs and your histories and bios and God knows what. Anybody can contact you with the phone numbers and also all of your uh, uh, social media uh, 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 links and so on there, which is great. But you do have a site, and that is firstcu.net. Correct. Okay, www.firstcu.net. And I'm referring to Michelle Manhey. Manhey, yes. Manhey, yeah. Manhey. <laughs> when I first looked at it, I, you would think it too. I thought it was Mange. Michelle Mange. M A N G E. And I thought, hang on a minute, it's not German, it's not French, it's not. Then I said, Mange? She said, no, Manhey. Oh, okay. <laughs> One thing I love about this career over 40 years is the names and the people that you meet. And it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. Appreciate the time uh, that you spent with us today. And uh, you're a credit, such a young age, you're a credit to what you've achieved. You've shown me that women in business or listening who are young ladies, if you focus on a goal, you can achieve it. And that's what it's all about. Susan Penny, you've got to get back and start running those papers. And you, But you do shut down, I think, two months a year, don't you? Uh, we produce the Tucson Smart Shopper uh, ten times a year. We don't do January and we don't do July. And but the Oral Valley Voice is 12 months a year. That's 12 months a year. The regulars, I think you tried to stop it, I think, for one month, and they went nuts, didn't they? Yeah, they. you know, our clientele <laughs> up there, you know, most people that really engage in the newspaper – are at least 45 and above. And so a lot of those people don't have much to do. So if there's a misspelled word or anything's wrong, <laughs> they, oh but God. you know what's really unique is is they they take time to write me a letter. How about that? And uh, that's how I know what their age is because right. they can still write cursive. But, yeah. um, no, well, they're the ones that thought, the, you know, the, the, the uh, what's it called, computer uh, yeah. invented by the devil. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they still want to handwrite. But anybody that takes the time, even if it's a, you know, a critique. I send them movie tickets. That's nice. Because <laughs> I, I, I just think that's really old fashioned and I wish more people took time. But it tells me they, they take ownership of the paper in the community, you know, so it's a good thing. It's a lovely thing. Thank you. I appreciate that. You two on the side, Susan Penny of the Oro, uh, Oro Valley Voice. And of course, now it's not the Savvy Shopper anymore, no. it's the Tucson. 
Yeah. And we have nothing to do with the Savage Shopper. We completely started our yeah, own Yeah, it's a revamp. Things. Absolute thing. But it's marvelous and yeah. uh, it's well done. Catherine, uh, Catherine Barron, uh, leading estate. Uh, again, happy birthday. Are you doing anything special? I'm going to have dinner with some friends tonight. Isn't Actually, today, nice? right now. Right this now? is special. That's very nice. That's good. <laughs> I appreciate your time coming in. I uh, wish you well with your business and uh, hopefully, um, you know, we'll revisit another time. All right. I would like that. Well, thank you, Catherine and young Suzanne. Fuchsia Spa. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, up there at uh, La Encantada. I love the way you say that. One. Yeah. <laughs> you should make everybody want to come. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when I did the ads for yeah, you? I did. For, it was for great. radio? It was fun. Yeah, people like those, didn't they? Yeah. And uh, it's very, very nice. Get a chance, get up there. It's, it's affordable. Don't tell yourself. Don't tell him. Just take some of the shopping money and go. Have a nice little treat for yourself up there. And Suzanne, I'll meet you and look after you and if you heard it on the show you tell her that but uh, that's Fuchsia Spiderline Cantata it's up there at East Skyline Drive Susan McNamara is the owner and chief cook and bottle washer for that one and I thank you for taking time out thank and, you, and coming on Tucson Means Business proudly sponsored by the 49ers Golf and Country Club and thank you listeners joy being with you we'll be back for episode 16 shortly of Tucson Means Business 